the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. my visionary friends, and thank you for joining me, Gwilda on another deep dive into the evolutionary process. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading esoteric and scientific experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So sit back, jot down your thoughts, and enjoy. This hour, we'll be exploring lockdown madness when all distractions fail. COVID-19 and the resulting lockdown was a real eye-opener for many of us. Before being denied many of the things we take for granted, few of us recognized how much our ability to cope relies on simple day-to-day distractions. Being confined to our homes and stewing in our own juices brought to light just how uncomfortable and irritable we can become without those diversions. As a result, drug overdoses have drastically increased, as has domestic abuse. Depression is epic. The violence, rioting, looting, and vandalism may also be related to the shutdown and the resulting sense of deprivation. Many states are breaking daily records of COVID-19 cases and the resulting deaths. Over 150 prominent experts are asking leaders for a second shutdown, so we may now be faced with a repeat performance. What we desperately need are some evolutionary tools to help us cope with isolation, its lasting effects, and the possibility we may be faced with it again. With us this hour to discuss the long-term impact of COVID-19 lockdown and how to manage another is Faust Ruggiero. Faust's professional career spans almost 40 years It's diversified and compelling as it's consistently established new and exciting cutting-edge counseling programs in the pursuit of professional excellence 
and personal life enhancement. He's a published research author, clinical trainer, and therapist. As the president of the Community of Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania, he developed the Processed Way of Life Counseling Program presented in his book, The Fix-It-Yourself Handbook. His website is fosterguerrero.com. Foss, on behalf of our listeners and myself, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Well, thank you for the invitation. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Tell us a little about your educational background. <laughs> well, I'm you know, public school graduate and uh, coming out of school decided I wanted to go into psychology. I knew that from a very, uh, very early age and uh, went to uh, under, undergrad at Mansfield University here in Pennsylvania, got BA in psychology, started to learn the, to, to do some teaching and, and research it uh, while I was at Mansfield, then uh, graduated and uh, moved on to Illinois State University or in the master's program there. And that's where I really began to hone the counseling skills and uh, and uh, it prepared me for what I've been doing for the rest of my life. What led you into going to counseling in the first place? You know, I'm one of those uh, kids when we were in high school, the one that everybody wanted to wanted to talk and uh, and discuss their problems. That it just was a natural fit. I'm a I'm a real good listener. I I love to be around people. I love to hear their stories, and I'm a pretty good problem solver. So it just evolved. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, from working with deaf children, prisons nursing homes and substance abuse centers to inpatient facilities. Your counseling profession seems to have taken you in some interesting directions. What have you learned from all of that diversity? You know, it's interesting. It's, it's all, it is diverse. It's all different. And then, and then when you, when you sit down and, and you really get to know the people, what you really find are the similarities uh, that we're not as different as we think we are. And uh, uh, if, if we all give each other a chance, uh, this can work out real well. So I'd like to get into the counseling process that you've developed a little later in the program. Mm-hmm. But for now, I'd like to draw on your professional opinion regarding the emotional challenges we're being faced due to the COVID-19. What do you see as the impact of the shutdown and the resulting isolation that we've been subjected to? You know, this is one of those uh, situations uh, where if we went into this healthy, we tend to use healthy tools to deal with it. Uh, but we tend to be a society that likes quick fixes. Uh, we like things the way we want them, when we want them to be the, uh, that way. And uh, this shut everything down. This took all those quick fix tools away from us and then put us in a position to have to go back and rely on ourselves and, and all those inner things, all those uh, inner attributes that we need to be healthy. And for some of us, they just weren't there. Would you mind um, listing a few of what you see as the quick fixes? Quick fixes are, are, are the um, let's go out and have fun right away. Uh, I like to have things my way. Um, they are the, uh, the overspending. They are the um, I like to uh, do this my way when I want it done. And uh, we're not able to do that. Quick fixes are always impulsive. They're always things that, uh, that come into our minds and then we, we, we want to do right away. And you know, the virus stopped that quickly. It's, it seems like we're having a lot of problem with Im- impulsity, right? Impul- you know, impulses right now. People just don't, they seem out of control. Are you seeing this? Oh, all over. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, we, 
we, they, they went from a red to yellow to green system. So you proceed through and you get to green and they began to relax things. And the governor now is talking about possibly by the end of the week or early next week, we're going to go back to red and that whole lockdown is going to start all over again. You know, that's that's pretty daunting. I mean, we didn't deal with it well in the first place. And we're, right. we're looking at some of that here in Colorado, I think, state by state. Um, you know, some states like my daughter's up in Wyoming, and that seems fine. Um, There's a big state with very few people. But the ones that have like international airports here in Colorado, it, it we're just not doing really well. And they what they thought was, oh, you're going to be OK till the second wave. We've never really left the first one, have we? No, we haven't. And that's and that, that's what's so insidious about all of this. People really thought that uh, this was going to calm down. And that goes back to those quick fixes and getting what you want. What people did is really use some old tools. They denied what they real what, what, what was being presented to them. Uh, and they kind of rationalized and intellectualized this to the point that they really made themselves believe they could go out and throw the parties and go to the beaches and do all those things that we really can't do. So now we see the second wave. What we're talking about is the second wave beginning. It, it seems like there's two ways of coping, and help me if there's more. But there's, like you said, the denial. Oh, it's all okay. Or to denial to the point of, oh, it's all a hoax. I mean, I've heard more of that than I can tell you. Um, you know, how uh, um, COVID is a hoax or how having to wear masks is an evil plot to take away your freedom. I can't rationalize. But there's that kind of a response. Um, would you speak to that one a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, we, we like what we want when 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 uh, when we want it, and we have a tendency to put our our conclusion, the thing that we want to happen, before the facts, and that's how that's really the mechanism that makes all this run. We see it, we want it, we're going to do it, and then later on, we're justifying and we're trying to present facts to rationalize our position, and that's what got us into this, uh, into what we're calling this second wave, because I mean, the facts were right in front of us. Uh, if you if you go out and you come in contact with someone, odds are you may catch this virus and it could kill you. That should be that enough should be a, a sobering enough uh, fact uh, to stop what you're doing. But the, the human mind is very good at tricking itself, and uh, we use all those defenses and all those tools to you know it helps us get what we want when we want it. What do you think turned us in such a narcissistic society? I mean, you know, during World War II, everybody. <clears throat> pulled together and pulled and you know we didn't see this kind of behavior back then what's happened between now and then well we become a society first of all that has had plenty we could do whatever we wanted to do so there's a lot of leeway if you make a mistake it's 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 not a huge problem uh i think also uh a lot of it's generational when you know I'm, I was born in, in, in the middle of the last century and, and, you know, your parents spoke and you did it and parents have kind of relaxed uh, all those boundaries and all those uh, ways of doing things and kids have done what they've wanted to do. The other thing is that, and we see this a lot in the millennial generation, they're not sure what processes to use uh, to get them where they want to go. So it, it's always here's my starting point, there's my conclusion, I have to go there as fast as I can. And there's a process in, in the middle of that that kind of re regulates how we do things. It stops us, it, it has us redoing the, what we want to do to make sure we're on track, and we're not seeing much of that anymore. You know, most parents have not had to deal with their children full-time since they became of school age. What impact are we seeing on families being confronted, you know, confined together without their normal outlets and activities? 
Well, that's the interesting thing. You, you just said a mouthful there. Uh, parents have not been dealing with their children uh, since their school age. And again, that's another huge change in society. A um, lot more blended families, uh, two people working, everything going very, very fast. Uh, and so now it's it, it, it didn't just slow down. It came to a screeching halt. And, and the demand was now get in there and, and work with your families and, and, uh, and get close. And families, quite frankly, don't, don't know how to do that anymore. It's it's amazing because they've not only I think we've got busied ourselves to death too. I mean I sit back and I watch. Oh my gosh, we've got baseball, we got soccer, we've got piano mm-hmm. lessons. We, we you know, and this is in addition to school. And then when we're at home together for whatever amount of time that is, our nose are buried in devices versus communicating. And it's like I've had heard some people say, "I'm stuck with these strangers. I don't know who these people are," when they're talking about their family. And that is absolutely true. They don't know. Um, you know you're right. The, the, the devices have, have, have taken over, uh, but it's not only that. It's the pace. Uh, it's, it's going as fast as we can. It's being busy all the time doing things that really aren't family-oriented. You might take your kids to the soccer game, but then that's it. Uh, a lot of time is spent out of the house or it's spent in bedrooms, you know, all those kinds of things, and families aren't together. So you you're really a whole lot of strangers living in the same house. It's, I don't think anything has brought it together as clearly as this pandemic and being shut down together and, uh, you know, systems just failing. All our defense mechanisms, all our ways of coping have just crashed all at once as a result. Um, and do you think that's why we're seeing so much dysfunction all of a sudden increasing, like alcoholism and drug overdose and uh, child abuse and domestic abuse and people just going crazy? Well, yeah, we'll we know, you know what typically happens. We're going so fast that it does, doesn't give us enough time to assess what's happening in our lives. And then it comes to that screeching halt and all of a sudden we look at our lives and we see the real picture that's there and we don't like it. And that's what's happened now. So now we're, we're fighting to get out and get away from this, the the horrors of our own homes. And then we're going to be put right back in them at a time where the nation is already wounded. If if you will, Uh, finances are way down. Businesses have closed drugs and alcohol, mental health, uh, abuse, family abuse, all those things are way up. And we're going to go put each other right back into those situations again. And I have some real concerns that if this second wave hits, like some of the experts are saying it is, uh, it's going to be a real serious situation. Um, But we're still in the first wave and we're looking at being locked down. Yes. You know, so come fall, that would be a third lockdown or do we ever get out kind of thing? I think that's the thing, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the company that does the viruses for the nation is only 20 or 30 miles from me. And uh, they are now, from what I'm told, working on a, on a vaccine, but it will only be a slowdown kind of thing, kind of a patch until the new one is going to come out. And they're not, and they're saying that won't be for another year. So in two or three months, we'll have a patch, which will slow it down, but we're going to be dealing with this. I, I'll bet through next summer. So, if, you know, yeah, if even if, then, even yeah. if it is. and yeah. so we're really going to have to make a decision somewhere along the line to say, let me slow down. Let me catch my breath here and let me do things the right way, because if I do, we might follow some of those countries in Europe who are now opening up right. and they are. Oh. Not in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time in this segment. We'll pick up on this on the other side, but it is time for a commercial break. 
Faust and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. We're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Hello again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. To all of our faithful and thoughtful listeners, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about the emotional effects of the COVID-19 lockdown? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all share them on the next show. This in from a member of our audience regarding our two-hour special episode with Dr. David Hanscom entitled Thriving and Surviving COVID-19. JK shares, your special on COVID-19 gave me the first real hope I've experienced since the pandemic began. I would encourage everyone to listen to it and take action to protect themselves. Thanks, JK. Dr. Hanscom had some amazing information about alternative measures to survive COVID-19. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the special episode entitled Thriving and Surviving COVID-19, and let us know what you think. With us this hour discussing mitigating the emotional impact of COVID-19 lockdown is Faust Ruggiero. His website, faustruggiero.com. Faust, we were getting into the, you know, children having, you know, being home. And this is probably the first time since they entered school that the parents are all of a sudden faced with full-time parenting and educating the poor children. But Let's look at what you think the lasting impact um, is going, the pandemic is going to have on our children moving forward. Well, you know, it's a good question. Uh, this is something none of us have ever seen before. So there's no playbook. Parents don't have a, a real good idea of what, of what to do with their kids. So we don't even know what to teach them. Uh, kids are really part of the whole, the whole process as we formulate uh, the plan to move forward. So they're really stuck in a situation where parents are stressed, don't have the supports they need to do with, uh, what they need to do, and we're not sure what's going to happen as we go forward. So the effect on kids could be substantial. It's, it's, it's kind of scary, really, because, you know, we look back, um, you know, all the different times that we've had trauma um, in, in cultures like the Holocaust and this and that, and the children don't get over it and tend to pass the trauma down, um, at least energetically or genetically, to their offspring. So we could be looking at a whole ball of a mess coming forward, couldn't we? It's a whole life transition. That's the key. And, uh, you know, it's just like uh, we go back 25 or 30 years ago and computers were just coming into, in, into the picture. Uh, parents didn't really know how to, how, to, how to address that. 
and kids began to take the lead. They were getting, they're the ones in schools were getting the education. So this became something that was, uh, you know, fixed in their way of living. Now we have the same type of thing going on. Once again, the parents don't know how to move forward and the kids are going to grow up with this as a norm. So we really have some discrepancies on the way we think here. How about the teenagers? I mean, you know, we think about it and our, our children, even the millenniums, have had computers and fast-paced life going on their whole lives. And now all of a sudden we're looking at lockdown and, and being isolated even further. Um, how's that affecting our teens? Well, see, the teens, again, are caught in the middle. For one thing, um, and this is really a, a concern if the schools don't go back, teens get put in a position where we're, we're going to assign them more responsibility. So we're going to take some of their teen years away, so to speak. Um, they're going to be thinking uh, about trying to restore the life they knew, which really is existing at a time where, you know, um, they're just coming into their own and, and they're challenging things and there's no way to challenge. That's an interesting, real interesting concept. You know, we all challenge. That's how we learn. They can't do a lot of challenging because a lot of the, the territory has been stripped away. It's got to be devastating for them. It is. You know, and, and then they rebel against the parents. It's not the parents that are causing the lockdown. What kind of stress is that putting on the family? Well, interesting that they're rebelling against the parents and everyone's re rebelling against whatever the unknown entity is, whether it's the government or the virus or this, just a life transition. No one has, or, or very few of us have really said, let's try to accept this uh, and let's try to create a way to move forward. So every, everyone's in a rebellion mode right now. And that's devastating as far as um, the virus is concerned. It is because we, we keep on challenging. Um, we don't want to accept things, so we keep on challenging. So we actually give the, the virus more power than it needs to have. You know, there's some simple things being asked of us. We social distance, we wear masks, and yet I'm hearing all these crazy things like, oh, it's all an evil plot, the communist plot, or this or that to take away our uh, our rights to have to wear a mask is against our personal rights. And it's like, man, it sounds like a kid having a temper tantrum. And yet it's going on in mass. What's causing that? Well, what's happened, we, we were locked down for a long time. And, and, you know, it's really an outgrowth of us having everything we always wanted. You know, we talk about millennials feeling entitled or kids feeling that way. But adults in this country also feel entitled. We, we've had a status quo and a very good status quo for a long time. And all of a sudden, uh, someone says, you can't have that anymore. And people are just going off the ease, aren't they? They're just kind of losing it. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 that's what, and really what's been taken from us is not our rights. It's really, it's, it's those luxuries. It's, it's the stuff over, over the top. That's what's been taken away. The rights, you know, we still have all our rights, but we're just being asked to do a few extra things. Put a mask on, maybe gloves if you want to. Keep, a, keep distance. Uh, you know, d don't go to huge gatherings. We're, we're going to lose things like, like the gatherings, the sporting events, the concerts, things like that. It's temporary. And if we're willing to to embrace what's going on and work with it, then it becomes a very temporary situation. If not, we get what we want for a short time. Again, another quick fix. And then we go back into a longer uh, uh, virus situation, which is exactly what we don't want. 
And, and yet, you know, when they started opening things up, it was my impression it was so that we could start to restore the economy, not go on vacation, happy, happy, joy, joy, flock to the beach and cough on everybody. That's exactly what it was. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, you know, beaches are closing down because people are on top of each other. And it, it just doesn't make sense to me. When did we lose our common sense? When we... Again, it's an outgrowth of having so much in our nation. When you know when this started, I watched a report. I think it was on the BBC that said that the nation that would be hit the hardest would be the United States because we were going to be the ones that were unwilling to accept uh, all the new standards. And that's exactly what happened. We we put some new things in place. We don't want it. We rebel against it because we're we're that free country that has everything. And here we are getting ready to go uh, and, and uh, enter phase two of this thing because we didn't want to accept what we had to do in phase one. That's it's really kind of an eye opener, I think. You know, there are many reports domestic violence is on the rise because of the shutdown. Um, do you believe that's true? And if so, what what's the dynamics there? Well, domestic violence is going to be on the uh, on the upswing. We've got substance abuse. That's part of that. We have families that weren't getting along to begin with. Um, we have people wanting to do what they want to do. And when and when we don't when we don't get what we want, we usually have a tendency to to turn it outward, you know, and look at something out there that's the problem. So now we've got people locked in tight spaces who are not getting along and have no way to act out their anger except on each other. How much of our, you know, we've we've used these distractions um, that are our luxuries as a um, as a way of coping, and never really developed any coping skills. It seems like that's part of what we're seeing. How many of us are in relationships that we've never coped with, and we just avoid them, and now we're stuck on top of each other? And that's what's causing it. You know, when I when I started writing the book, I said everything we have is inside us already, but we've kind of locked all of that away, and we depend on all of the external stimuli to make us feel good. Now we you take all that away, and you don't go inside and, and work with what can really empower you. You're really stuck. And it looks like we're stuck nationwide, well, globally, but particularly in this nation. How can the individual start taking those steps to look inward instead of projecting outward? Well, this is where you got to slow things down. Uh, again, we're, we're, one of the things that we're, we're, we're trying to do is keep that fast pace in our lives. That's, you know, again, we talked about that as you can get addicted to that. Uh, we're trying to keep that, that, that uh, pace uh, stimulation up and we can't do that. So the first thing we've got to do is slow down just to give our brains enough time to process information. But this information has been coming at us high speed and continues to accelerate ever since the computers started being part of our experience. And most of the people in our alive in our country right now, at least half or better, um, have never had a slower pace. They don't even know what it is to chop wood, carry water. Everything's spoon-fed spoon and very fast-paced. How can we get them <laughs> to access the ability to slow down? Well, the, the, Slowing down what we do is really the second step. The first step is making a decision to say, okay, I've got to just slow the pace of my life down. That's really the first step. I've got to make that decision. If I can't do it myself, I'm going to get some help to do that. But I've got to at least make the decision that I'm going to do that. That's what people aren't doing. That's really, I, I answer that question. It's, it's when, when people say I can't slow down and I always tell them, you, you know, you can, 
but you've got to make that decision to do so. And you ha- then you have to really commit to that decision. So the first step in the process is always making the decision and really meaning that you want to do that. So setting your intent and other things will tend to follow. Yeah, it's very much like, uh, you know, people come in the office and say, help me stop smoking. And I say, well, do you want to stop? And they say, I really need to. I say, well, I hear that. But do you want to? Because if you don't want to, you probably won't commit to it. Mm-hmm. The ones that do want to, they make that decision. They're willing to go through the uncomfortable times to get to their goal. The ones that aren't, they they have, they continue on the conflict of I, I, I need this. I, I, I don't need it. I want it. I don't want it. Then they go back and forth. So they're a house divided against themselves, and there's no forward movement at all. Absolutely. The How much part is fear playing in this? The fear of slowing down, the fear of facing what's going to sneak up behind us once we do. You know, there's two kinds of fear with this. Well, there's the there's the rational fear, which is uh, I have to pay my bills, and I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. And then there's the irrational fear which is really the undefined stuff. If I'm going to slow down, if I'm going to take some time and, and not get engaged in all those external activities, what's going to happen to me? And that's what people will, will think about. How am I going to, am I going to lose uh, my social status or am I going to uh, lose friends or all those kinds of things. And I just say, you have to, if you slow down long enough, you can define all of that. And, and that what is unknown doesn't become so fearful anymore because once you define it, you can put a plan in, in place to deal with it. It seems to be the key to everything and yet probably one of the toughest things because nobody has any experience of it. How important is it to reconnect with the rhythms of life, of nature? Well, and that's the problem. We've gone so fast and we've used so many artificial devices that we're really not, you know, uh, we're not attached to nature as much as we used to be. Uh, everything we do, I, I, telling the weather, uh, our diets, medicine, you name it, uh, entertainment is all externally based. So you, when we go, when we talk about getting back to the natural flow of things, it's really a, a relationship between us and the planet. And we haven't done very well to keep that up. You know, and the one thing that I've seen, because I used to teach search and rescue and this and that, and have always been very, and wilderness survival, and have always been very connected with the planet, but the people in my experience when I'm when I'm tre- teaching wilderness survival are really quite afraid of it. They're terrified of it. Uh, it th- that's a huge unknown. Um, and, and often, you know, when, when I start talking about uh, the natural flow, I really have to back it down and go very, very slow, get back to fundamentals, because even what I think are rudimentary concepts are, are, are just extremely co- uh, complex for them to understand. Now, you wrote a book on slowing down in addition to the one that we're kind of uh, featuring today. What was the name of that? Well, I wrote one book, the Fix Yourself Handbook. Oh, OK. Okay. You'd mention, you, I thought you'd mentioned this one that does the fix yourself handbook have um, suggestions for how to start slowing down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, and, and everything in the book is based on that. I, I have the, the first four chapters that I call the, the process bookends where we're talking about what you need to do to start this whole process. Slowing down is there. And I tell people how to do things. I mean, you know, slowing down really is, it starts with your body. And people think it's about your mind, but your body gets so engaged in that pace that it, even if you, it, your mind says, I want to slow down, the body's running. But it doesn't know how. So we're going to have to uh, take a commercial break. But on the other side of the pause, we will discuss further how we get our poor bodies to slow down. 
Foss and I will return to our discussion shortly. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our special guest this hour is Faust Ruggiero. We're speaking about the many advantages of personal processing. His website, faustruggiero.com. Faust, before we went into the um, break, we were talking about how the body is like been geared up. I mean, we were born into this fast, most of us were born into this fast paced society, um, you know, induce labor, pop the kid out and on yeah. we go, we hit the ground running. Um, how can we get the body to slow down? That's the first step. And again, as I said, you, you make that decision to do so. And then um, once you've done that, then they're just simple steps. I mean, you, you can, when I, uh, we talk about slowing the body down. I'll talk to people about meditation and those types of things, deep breathing exercises. You know, that, that is really the first place to start is with your breathing. Um, fast pace tends to uh, have us breathing uh, quicker and, and more shallow breaths. And that's not what works well with our body, particularly not to calm it down. And I teach people, you know, some deep breathing exercises. Uh, that helps. That, that, that gets the process started. Uh, then we, we talk about we can talk uh, about how meditation can work. Uh, we talk about uh, how you live your day and uh, you know prioritize things. You don't have to do a hundred things in one day. We're all going. We're we're all running as fast as we can to accomplish as much as we can. Uh, for no, you know, I don't even know what the what the reasons are behind that. Um, uh, stop being everyone's go-to person is another thing. You know. Uh, Try to uh, focus on what's internal. Uh, those types of things help us slow down, but we've got to start with breathing. Now, breathing is something that is addressed by just about every tradition on the planet. Um, I know breath and chanting and rhythm is used in, even in shamanism, and that's been around fifty to 60,000 years. And yet we don't we just have music fed to us we don't sing it we just you know everything is fed to us we don't engage it how much does this have to do with not engaging the body in the rhythms of life well that's exactly what it is that's that's the core of the problem uh, you know uh, breathing is taught by you're right by many people and very few people embrace it because in order to embrace it you've got to slow down and that's not what people want to do it, it, Consciously, it's programmed into us to go fast. We accept that without question, and we continue to do it. That's one of the huge reasons why we're in the situation we're in with this virus, because like it or not, the virus is demanding that we slow down. It gives us yes, no I mean, options. None. Yeah, even, even if you get sick, some of the things they're finding out is go slowing way down, getting enough mm -hmm. rest, taking care of yourself gives you that edge to get through it. Sure, because you're not using all the resources to do all the crazy things you're doing. The body is requiring those resources to get healthy. 
And I'm wondering how much our fast pace has compromised our immune systems in the first place. It has. You know, what, what it's done is, as I'm sure you know, there, there are two basic rhythms that we deal with with our body. The, the, uh, the basic uh, rhythms that we go through every day, the 24-hour rhythms, and then the larger ones. And and, though, and without going into all the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the language about it, the basic thing that, that I tell people is the fast pace throws all the rhythms of your body off. And, uh, and we need those rhythms. When you talk about how you connect with the planet, we need those biorhythms to be, to be working properly. Fast pace has them blown, just blown away. And, and we really need to reestablish those. Those of us that choose to, to live this way, life gets very simple, gets very easy. It's amazing. And then you can actually slow down enough that you can hear your promptings and find safe passage. You can. And not only hear them, you can define them. And that, that's, the, that's the nice part about it, because it's like anything else we do. We, we begin the process, we define something, we begin using it, and then we begin to redefine and, and, and to do all those little things we do to make it even better. So life continually gets better. The journey gets better, but not until we slow down. Well, this this is another point here I'd like to make and have you help me with. But some of the people I've been talking to about this, uh, when we talk about the physical aspect and what goes on with the body, is this fast pace has put us into fight or flight. Fight or flight puts us in the back of our brain, and there's nothing there but aggression. And that's Fear, exactly, it's exactly run, what it is. Run or fight. So how much does that have to do with people's negative response to the restrictions and to all this rioting and looting and craziness that we're seeing going on? Well, you know, when, when you when you define fight or fl fight or flight as it exists today and the way we do things, it has us running away from our problems, or it has us, you know, putting on the helmets and going headfirst into them. As we know, neither one of those ever has a good solution. Um, so, so here we are with things that we could we could do to really help us. But they demand that we focus on those and 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 define things about ourselves, some which we'll like, some which we may not. Um, we're we're going to run away from that. And we, we see that in our relationships all the time. And then when the when the uh, fight comes out, now we're in that back part of our brain and we're aggressing. And the problem is we don't know where when to stop. Once you turn that on and you begin to work with that as your routine, it becomes your routine. And you're seeing it as, you know, we started with protests, now we have riots and no one seems to know how to turn themselves off. That, and it's accelerating. It is. <laughs> Doing exactly the opposite of what we really need from what you're saying. Um, so, and I'm, I'm just gonna ask this as your personal opinion, but, and professional. How much is that us being driven into a corner of fight or flight over the years and now suddenly being hit with this uh, lockdown and now the rioting and this and that? How much is that being used against us? How much are we being controlled by outside forces to get us to create problems? Well, see, and that's what I tell everyone. Once you get to the point that that's the way you're operating, it is outside forces that are controlling you because your reasoning abilities aren't part of the picture. You're either going to run away or you're going to run into. Um, so we, we see lots of uh, crazy things being said in these riots. Some, again, the, the basis of it was very intelligent, very good. Let, let, let's all treat each other well. Let's love each other. Let's be equal. What's happened since that time is we can't process it anymore. There's no, there's really no plan. Nothing's been defined. So we, we continue to, to, uh, do the same things over and over again, which is to continue to riot. We don't have leadership in it. We don't have a plan. 
So no one knows where it's going. So we keep on repeating the same behaviors and accelerating them at the same time. I've heard that as one definition of insanity, doing the same old thing in the same old way and expecting different results. Correct. It's pretty insane out there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we, we need voices of reason. How do you see new leadership coming forward to provide those? And I, I'm not talking about governmental leadership. I'm talking about leadership in the family, leadership in the community, leadership in our circles. Well, again, and, and I agree with you, it's, it, it's not going to come from the government. Uh, that, that, that's just, that's not going to happen. Not that type of leadership. Uh, you know, this is where we got off track when the families began to, to fall apart. And, and uh, uh, so much is done outside of the home. Um, the connections there are lost. You know, this is where you can take something like this virus and say, okay, it's got us slowing down. It's got us in the house. You can fight or you can look at it and say, you know, I can reestablish some some connections here that can really, really redefine my life. That's yes, what, what an been, opportunity. Mm -hmm. What an opportunity. I, I, you know, out of all these kinds of tragedies, there's always opportunity. There's always that bright side that can come out of it if we're willing to go get it. That, But I, I would say, don't you think there also needs to be error on the side of caution in that? Sometimes when we're looking for the bright cloud, we go into denial versus dealing with what's really present. Absolutely. And that's why when you slow down, you're able to work with information a little better. Things become clear. Your fact-finding capabilities increase so that what you're using to move forward seems to be more, realis more realistic and also you're able to, you're able to uh, apply it better. Now, that sounds to me like you're talking about slowing down will also help us get out of the back brain of fight or flight and into the front brain where we have compassion, love, spirituality, and logic. You got it. That's exactly what it is. That's why I say a lot of this is always physical. You know, people think it's, it's, it's what you hear, it's what you see, it's what you're living, but they don't understand that. The bottom line is the body is what's going to take you where you want to go. And if you're going to train it to, 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 to run or to fight, then you're in a different part of your brain. And that brain is not where, re, uh, where, where the uh, reality exists. That's where reaction and primal things exist. We want to get more in, into the part of the brain that's evolved enough to be logical and then to work uh, in the direction of solutions. And that's what's scary. I, again, also, I've just had the benefit of, of um, interviewing some really knowledgeable professionals. And one of them said, you know, what we're finding about uh, neuroplasticity is the more time you spend in the back brain, the stronger it gets and the more the front brain atrophies. And here we have an entire generation that's lived in the back brain. You know, and, and, and that's right on the mark. I have a part that I wrote in the book where I was talking, where I'm talking about anger and how anger becomes addictive just like any other drug. And then not only is it hard to stop, we actually look forward to using it because it provides an adrenaline rush and a stimulation that we often can't find somewhere else. So we will actually create situations to address. A surprising number of people state that the entire COVID-19 thing is a hoax or a government plot. What's, where's that coming from? I mean, it doesn't seem to have any logic. It doesn't. And I, I think it's just people wanting to do what they want to do. You know, there's very rarely a, a lot of trust for the government to begin with. But, you know, uh, there's no logic to the to the uh, to the statement that says uh, the government did this or it's a hoax or all those sorts of things. We have tremendous, a tremendous amount of people dying. There's no hoax. And it's yeah, exactly. Um how, how much of that trying to believe it's a hoax is, again, being unprocessed and projecting? 
explain what you mean. Mm -hmm. No problem. Um, so if we're going to say, okay, it's all an evil plot, it's all a government plot, our, our, our um, rights are being taken away. How much of that is because we're already in fight or flight in our back brain and we're projecting rather than processing and we're projecting the events of the past onto the present? That's always the case. And, and, the, and the other part of that is when that information comes to us, it doesn't go to that front cortex. It quickly goes to the back. So, you know, that, that's where all the aggression lives, you know, and that's that's the interesting component on this. It's a, you, you can present people with very, very rational facts, but it's where it's what part of the brain is interpreting those facts. And if it's if it's that uh, back cortex, we have a whole different uh, set of tools being used. It actually creates a different reality, doesn't it? Depending it does. on which, and, and which it, part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's real for, you know, what, what the whatever you're using to, 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 uh, uh, to tear information apart, that's what you're going to believe is your, uh, your reality. So someone who's um, receiving information being processed in, in, in that back cortex is going to see it as uh, just one more opportunity to aggress, and they will do that, and they'll feel good about doing it, and they'll believe what they're doing. Yeah, this righteous indignation kind of comes from there, doesn't right. it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's not being helpful right now that I can see. No, it's not, because, uh, again, it, it has us working against ourselves. It's one thing to have the virus working against us. But uh, when we begin to uh, work against ourselves, it's really it's really a subtle form of surrender. We don't even see it that way. But that's what's happening. We're not fighting. We're not fighting the right enemy anymore. <laughs> right. We're creating ones to fight. Yes, and that's causing the problem. So. Um, we, we, let's go back to breathing and we're just about out of time in this segment, but does do the breathing first, the decision to make a difference in yourself, mm -hmm. but then the breathing exercises, do those actually help one when one goes into the back brain? Can you actually come from the back brain through breathing into the front brain? What, what it does is relax you enough so that the energy uh, that you're using isn't going to the back brain. That's what's happening. When, when you slow down and you slow your breathing down, um, and, and it usually takes about 20 minutes, as you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the most, to, to get your, your respiration down to where you need it, you actually feel the relaxation. And relaxation is connected more to the front of the part of the brain than the back. So relaxation equates safety? It will, yes. Wow. And so once you start practicing this, um, then does it take shorter and shorter time to get out of the back brain and into the front? Yes, it does. If you stay consistent with this, with, with the breathing, and what I often do with people is I, I say, let's look at your breathing, get that down to the point where you learn, you learn how to slow your body down. And then if you want to incorporate something like a, a meditation, and I teach them a very light meditation, so I'm not going very deep with anything, that, then, and, you, and you incorporate the breathing and the meditation together for 20 minutes and do it once or twice a day you'll find a complete change in the way you live life well we are going to have to take that commercial pause fast and i will be back shortly to continue our discussion so don't go away this is mission evolution on the exxon broadcast network Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest that you think would be of interest, email us at info at missionevolution.org. 
This hour, we're sharing thoughts with a very special guest and one of service to the world, Vast Ruggiero. His website, vastruggiero.com. Vast, we were getting into meditation and how you can develop um, a customized practice, if you will. What forms do you suggest? For meditation, you know, when we talk about that, I, I, uh, Type I teach people that really is the easiest for them comes out of the old and I'm going way back into the 70s, something called transcendental meditation. And really all you're doing is sitting down in a very comfortable position, easy chair, whatever, not laying down, but sitting, uh, relaxing yourself. Uh, You're going to close your eyes. Uh, Some people will use uh, what they call a calm scene, maybe imagine themselves at the beach or something, something to calm them down. Some people will use what they call a mantra, which is nothing more than a meaningless uh, uh, syllable, you know, uh, and, and, and repeat that, whatever it does. And those are attached to breathing. And I teach them how to do that. It's very simple. I can do that in, in, in a session. And, uh, and then they leave with the breathing and that meditation. And that really sets the stage for them to, to, to begin to think things, uh, use their brains a little bit different. So, and of course, that's going to be the bottom line is get our bodies in line and that, can get, that will get our brains in line. Yes. Yes, absolutely. There's, there's an old system called systematic desensitization. We this came out of the 60s. And all it's doing is, is it's, they used to take one, one body part at a time, tense it up, and then relax it. And uh, that's another thing I've, I've taught people to do, because if you can, when you tense your body and then you relax it, it actually relaxes just a bit farther than it, than it was when you started. So again, another, another way to do things. Uh, there's simple relaxation techniques, you know, and, and certainly with, if we're staying home, we have enough time to do a relaxation technique or, or, or change our breathing. And it's amazing once you get into the front brain how you can look at the way you've been spending your time and reevaluate to buy yourself more time. You buy yourself more time, and and it, the thing is, positive thinking lives there. It's just you know the antithesis of the uh, of the back part of the brain. When you, you're, you those of us that are that are working with that part of our brain, we'll look at this thing, we'll understand the horrors involved, but we'll also try to extrapolate as much of the uh, of the good parts of this as we can. We'll we'll look for the for the you know the, that part of the cloud that shines a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, we could certainly use some silver linings right about now. (laughs) As an example of how to use your tools that you're offering here, let's look at personal processing. How, you know, once you slow down (laughs) and your stuff is allowed to bubble to the surface, how important is personal processing and what tools can we use to manage it? Well, again, you're dealing with the facts. Personal processing is, you know, the the way I look at it is always getting a person in touch with themselves and what they're thinking and what they're feeling and uh and that's all based on factual information uh you know something i call brutal honesty is how i started it you know you don't get you you, you go in a little deeper you, you, you find those parts of yourself that are good and then those parts that maybe need to be changing a little bit and, and you start working with that that so that processing is really it's really to help you learn about you it's the key to our freedom and productivity as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. How can we tell when we need to work on personal processing? What are some of the red flags that were unprocessed in a particular area? Oh, anger, conflict, uh, confusion, boredom, lack of direction, all those kinds of things. They tell us that we're really not 
slowing it down enough and really uh, directing our energy to understand what we're doing and what we're thinking and how we can change to move in a direction that's going to be profitable for us. What tools can you offer to creatively process our feelings rather than avoid them through engaging in distractions or dumping them on other people? Well, there's a lot of things you, you can do. I tell people that one of the, you know, you, again, we got all this time, uh, be an action person, create something. Um, we, we've got so many creative uh, parts of our brain that we're not using. We, we, you know, we will choose to watch a television show rather than to create something, to, to be, a, be a piece of art or, or, or learn how to play the guitar or whatever. Get, get your creative juices going. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything special, just something that makes you feel good. You know, we touched in on, on fear. We touched in on fear and what a horrific thing it has to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's look at grief. It seems like, you know, we have a lot to grieve right now. Whether, whether we really do or not, we certainly perceive we do. How can we move through the grief that, that, of the loss of the things that we have taken for granted? Well, and, and, and that's another part of this. Uh, grieving and you know grieving is that is that is let me back up first of all we've got to define what we're grieving that's the that's the first part of it Um, when I ask people you know how are you feeling about what you're losing Um, they'll all go back to I have to stay in the house and I can't see people and I'm saying oh well let's talk about permanent grief versus temporary grief this whole situation is temporary you know, you're not losing anyone personally unless it's the virus has taken them. And then you've got that level of grief to deal with. But I try to separate the, the two levels. So I, I want to get that that entitlement kind of thing out of the picture. Now we have some real grieving to do and we have to teach people how to process the loss of life, the loss of your home, maybe those kinds of things. And that. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, you, lo- you look at what people are, you know, pinning their grief on. Um, gee, I can't go out and party, right? Yeah. Um, and and you know, sometimes I think, my gosh, what are you going to do when something real happens? Well, something real is happening. And so how can you start to tell as an individual if you're just projecting your grief about other things onto the little I can't go out and party and start to reframe and access the true grief so we can move it? That's where you need to talk to other people, <clears throat> people are uh, and, and people that can help you. You know, I, I said I say it many, many times in the book, um, you know, you can read a book, you can learn some things. But when it comes down to actually working it through, you may need to sit down with someone, a significant other that you trust, who is rational, a counselor, whatever it may be. But you need to get out of your own head. Because um, the lines become very, very blurred, and and, and you know, I, I hear you know the people the people say things like, "I hate my life right now," and I say, "Well, how could you hate your life? If something has changed. Let's let's break it down." Uh, so you, you know, someone will, will work through the facts with you and say, "Well, that's not something that's." I, mean, I can see that it, you hate that you lost it, but is it something you have to grieve and and, and really get yourself uh, down and depressed about? Or are there some other ways out of that? It's, so it's a matter of defining what you hate instead of just your life in general and yeah. making moves to change it. Yeah, and you may be able to do that or you may need help. So how, speaking of help, how important is community at this time? 
community is always important. And again, that's one of the reasons that we've that we're having a difficult time because we we've lost that. Um, you know, you can we have computers. You you can you can still see people and and talk to people. We we have six feet apart. You can still do all those things. Um, it, it, I I just think that sometimes the grief is wrapped around the anger. And it, again, we have to separate that anger. I, they're telling me I can't, I'm angry. And then when it goes on for a long time, I start grieving that I can't do that. A lot of times it's not grief, it's anger. Mm. And isn't that anger, doesn't that hook right back into fear? Fear hooks right back into having to look at things you've been avoiding. Right. And that's why counseling always works for people, because what you've done, if you, you, you sit down with someone and you attach your brain to their brain. So, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you're, 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 the battery went dead in your car and you put cables on it and you're now, now you're attached to another battery. You're attaching to this other person's brain. So that person is feeding you information from the rational parts of their brain, which puts you in a position to slow down and listen to it. And if you're willing to work with it, it actually stimulates that, that front cortex. That's why counseling works. Mm. And you just the counsel of a good friend that you trust can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. You know, our, for, our former lifestyle seemed to see I've isolated us from community, you know, looking at tablets instead of people. Now mm -hmm. we're confined with, you know, confronted with social distancing. What suggestions do you have to build and maintain a sense of community regardless of these challenges? I tell people, take everything that available to you, you your telephone, your computer. Um, you can go out and social distance. I mean, it's, you know, there's you can go to the beach and be on top of each other or you can be in your backyard and have folks over and uh, have a fire or swim in your pool if you have one. And and, uh, and you still have community there. Uh, churches offer uh, online services can do use everything that's available to you and put it into a program for yourself. Do you see our suddenly being physically social distanced, even though we've distanced ourselves through the use of, um, of technology, do you see it as help, uh, giving us an opportunity to turn this around and build better community? Absolutely. Again, it slowed us down, number one, but, but, but it, it put us in a position to have to rethink everything. And, you know, sometimes you, ha you have to hit the wall and then say, okay, I don't know where to go. So you can reassess all your options and all the things you can do. So it, it, that's really what this is all about for all of us. You know, we, 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 hit, we hit the wall, we can't go forward right now. So we stop, we take a step back and we look and say, okay, what strengths do I have? What things can I do? And, and I can make my life better. It seems like this wall was the natural result of our accelerating pace. Do you see it that way? Yes, I do. Yeah, so the, then it, it can... The it wall can, and, and then having to quickly slow down. It was very abrupt. It was traumatic to slow down like that. Again... It was the, very much like hitting a wall, wasn't it? It was, you know. And, and again, just like anger, that, that fast pace is addictive. So what, they, what really happened is someone said, here, I'm taking your drug away from you, your fast pace. Now stay home. And it was also amazing the way the earth herself recuperated so quickly. Mm-hmm from our indulgences, quite frankly. Yeah, it has. Yeah. So what's your vision for humanity to evolve through these challenging times? Well, again, it comes down to wanting to grab what's inside you. You know, I tell people we've been around for all this time. It's only the last few hundred years where we've gone into the, 
all, all these approaches and medicines. And now in the, in the last uh, 100 years, still radio and television, all these things and the medicine, the way we, we apply it now, somehow we survive, we even thrive. I think we were happier people before all of this. So all those things that got us to this point are still inside us. We're just not using them. If you're willing to go inside yourself, define all the strengths that you have, put them into a plan for yourself, life really changes and you, you're empowered. You're not depending on things like all, the, all that external stimulation. They're there. You can enjoy them, but you don't depend on them. It sounds to me like we could certainly use the advice and the stewardship of our elders at this point who do have, have grown up at a time when there was a different option. And that's a, another thing we stopped doing is respecting our elders enough to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Which is a sad thing. Well, it we're is. just about out of time. What do you see as the most important thing we as individuals can do to support a better tomorrow? I would tell us that we need to respect each other and we need to, to begin to bond as a cohesive unit so that we can actually take, you know, a coherent plan. We need to make a plan and move forward with it, but as, as, as one people. So looting and rioting probably doesn't fit into that, does it? It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my take. That's kind of my take. Well, I hope that the people are able to hear what we're saying and able to find comfort in it. And thank you so much for the wonderful tools you're bringing forward. Where can people find your book? Uh, Amazon or, or Barnes & Noble, the usual retailers, under my name, Foster Ruggiero, or just the Fix Yourself Handbook. You'll find it. Perfect. Boss, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Willa. thanks for inviting me. Our guest this hour has been the developer of the Processed Way of Life Counseling Program and author of the Fix Yourself Handbook, Faust Ruggiero. Faust has shared some wonderful tools to help us deal with the effects of the COVID-19 lockdown. His website, faustruggiero.com. Remember, our entire information-packed episode collection is available for listen or download with our compliments. All you have to do is visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Wilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world. Thank you.